You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, well, we're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy tonight, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, I think I have this on. That sounds like we're good. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to read a couple of verses this evening. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we'll start on verse number 6. And man, I'm excited to preach tonight. I love to preach here at Elk Point Baptist Church. And um, I got an extra week to prepare, so I'm pumped about that as well. And it's just a great blessing to be here, um, especially during this time of the year. Man, during Christmas time, I just love to be at church. And um, it's just so much fun, Christmas. I'm a big, big fan of Christmas. And there's so many things I love about Christmas. The beautiful Christmas lights on the houses. Me and my wife got a house now, and we're able to put Christmas lights on our house. We have a, a moose Christmas lights, um, kind of for moose, Hannah Moose and Michael Moose and stuff like that. I love doing that. The gifts under the trees, the beautiful, um, just the beautiful decorations, the treats, all of those things. There's many reasons why I love uh, Christmas so much. It truly is the most wonderful time of the year. But I would have to say that one of my favorite parts about Christmas would have to be the hymns and the carols we sing at church. I just love singing those hymns that we don't sing too much during the year because um, it makes me think about Christmas, right? Away in a manger and um, all the other great Christmas songs. And one of the hymns that I enjoy singing the most in church would have to be, O Come All Ye Faithful. It really would. It's a great song referencing the shepherds um, coming to Bethlehem to adore their newborn Savior. And it really is just an awesome song. And I looked up that, uh, that song a little bit, and I found it interesting. The song has been dated back to the 13th century. That's when it was written, the 13th century. And it's been a tradition that we sing year after year for thousands of generations, or a lot of generations, I guess I should say. It's a great song about Christmas. But I'm not dealing with Christmas today. I am, however, dealing with the title of this song, O Come, All Ye Faithful. O come all ye faithful. I want to look at faithfulness today and how you and I can be faithful to Christ in the midst of this falling world. How we can be faithful to the finish. Now this is something that's truly on my heart with my wife and I starting the church plan in Akron and just trying to to build a ministry in Akron. We really want to be faithful. And I really truly want to be a man of God that's faithful to the finish. That's faithful to the ends. So I've been searching about faithfulness for quite a while now. And, and I looked up the definition of faithful in the Bible. And in the Greek, it's the word pistis. And it has to do with courage, to be utterly reliable and true to your word. That's the idea of faithfulness. Another word for faithfulness is integrity, honesty, trustfulness, and loyalty. And I want to be that man. I want to be a man that's faithful, a man of integrity, a man of loyalty. I want to be faithful. So I decided to search the scriptures. And I looked at great men and women of God who were faithful to the finish. And the first person that came to mind when I was searching the scriptures was the Apostle Paul. He's a great example of somebody who was faithful. And that brings us to our text verse today in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 6 through 8. Now, the Apostle Paul is writing his farewell letter to Timothy here. And as he was writing this epistle, he was in maritime prison in Rome about to be martyred by Nero for the faith. He was about to die. And he's writing to Timothy to encourage him to remain faithful just as he was faithful. And he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting on verse number 6. The Bible says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. 
Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Let's pray. Generally, Father, Lord, I love you so much. I thank you so much for this day, Lord. Man, I thank you for this church, my church family, and uh, just blessing us so much, Lord. You're just so good to us, Lord. I thank you for the praises, and um, I thank you that you have a plan, Lord. I ask that you just take away every ounce of selfishness, every ounce of me in this message, Lord. Help me preach, thus saith the Lord, and um, just stir our hearts tonight, Lord. I love you so much. I praise your name, and we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Someone described faithfulness as doing, doing your duty until the duty is done. Doing your duty until the duty is done. I believe that described the Apostle Paul very well. He did his duty. He fought the good fight to the end. He was faithful in every single aspect of the Christian life. Every aspect, he was found faithful in that. That's what we see in verse 7, our text verse. We find out first off that he was faithful to the faith. It says there, I have kept the faith. The Apostle Paul did not compromise the Word of God at all in his Christian life. He, he didn't compromise when Gnosticism was taking over in the Church of Colossae. He could have compromised that truth, but he stopped it. He could have compromised during uh, legalism when that got um, in the book of Galatians and people were trying to uh, make it a works-based salvation. He could have compromised, but he kept the faith. Even when the Apostle Peter refused to eat with the Gentiles... The Apostle Paul withstood him to the face, the Bible says. He told him off. He was faithful to the faith in every aspect of the Christian life. We also see, though, that um, he was also faithful to the fight. The Bible says in verse 7, I have fought a good fight. The Apostle Paul endured like a good soldier. He was a soldier of the cross of Jesus Christ, and he recognized that he was in a war, and he fought valiantly. He had a passion for the souls and a passion to stand for the truth of the gospel. He was faithful to the fights. But then we also find out that he was also faithful, faithful to the finish. He was faithful to the finish. The Bible says, I have finished my course. He finished the race and he was faithful in every aspect of the Christian life. Throughout the course of his life, he was found faithful. In the beginning of his ministry, he was found faithful. In the middle and in the end. In the early stage of, stages of his life, after dealing with persecutions, trials, and problems, he responded in Acts 20, 24, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. At the beginning of his ministry, he said, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful to the end. And then a number of years later, after trials and persecution kept plaguing him, while he was in prison, he had the same mentality. Philippians 3.14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. The same mentality. I want to be faithful to the finish. I want to be faithful to the end. And then we see here in 2 Timothy, at the end of his life, he was faithful to the end. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. From beginning to end in his ministry, from start to finish, the apostle Paul was faithful. He was faithful to the finish. And I want to be just like that. I want to be faithful to the finish, faithful in every aspect of the Christian life. But what we find out is not many people are that. Not many people are faithful from the beginning, faithful in the middle, and faithful to the end. Even the people in the Bible, they struggle with that. You and I, we struggle as Christians remaining faithful to the ends. In fact, in Proverbs 20, verse 6, the Bible says, A faithful man, who can find? Who can find a faithful man? And throughout the entirety of the Bible, we're given the answer to that question. And it's not many. In the Old Testament alone, only five people are given the title of faithful. 
Daniel, Hananiah, Moses, Samuel, and Abraham. Five people. In the New Testament, only eight were given the title. Lydia, Timothy, Paul, Tychicus, Epaphras, Onesimus, Silvanus, and Antipas. Only 13 people in the entire Bible given the title of faithful. Now, I know there are a lot of people in the Bible that could be considered faithful that aren't given that title. But for you and I, at the end of our life, we will either be given the title of faithful or unfaithful. When we meet our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we're faithful, he'll say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servants. We will be given the title of faithful or unfaithful. And I want to be that faithful servant. I want to be faithful to the finish. Like the Apostle Paul, I want to say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. So that's what we're going to be looking at here today. How you and I can remain faithful to the end. How we can be faithful and hear Jesus Christ say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And there's three things I want to look at today. Three things. Number one, <laughs> number one, I want to look at the makings of faithfulness. The makings of faithfulness. How can you and I be faithful? Well, we need to first realize that in our own strength, our own power, we can't do it. No matter how hard we try, we cannot be found faithful. Because faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. It only comes from the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Galatians 5, and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. That word faith there is the same Greek word pistis, which means faithfulness. It has to do with faithfulness, remaining faithful. So if we are abiding in Jesus Christ, if we are letting the Holy Spirit work through us, we can have the fruit of faithfulness in our life. But that's the only way we can do it. That's what the Bible says in John chapter 15. That's known as the abiding chapter in the Bible. And in that chapter, Jesus gives us the illustration of him being the vine and us being the branch. And he says, you cannot bear fruits, you cannot accomplish anything of lasting value unless you are attached to me, unless you are abiding in Jesus Christ. In verses 4 and 5, he says, abide in me and I in you. And for except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruits. For without me, ye can do nothing. That much fruit is referring to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, and 23. He's saying, if you're abiding in me, presto, you got that fruit of the Spirit. But if you're not attached to me, you're not going to grow. You're not going to be able to accomplish anything because a branch that's not attached to a vine, it can't do anything, right? It can't grow. But when it's attached to the vine... It grows. It bears fruit. That's the same thing with us. Nothing of lasting value can ever be accomplished apart from Jesus Christ. He says, without me, ye can do nothing. Without the Holy Spirit working through us, we cannot accomplish anything in this world today. Charles Spurgeon said this on abiding. He said, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are ships without the winds, branches without sap, and like coals without fire. We are useless. We see that truth throughout the scriptures. The truth is seen with the disciples first off. The disciples struggled with faithfulness until the Holy Spirit came into their lives. Think about that. Time and time again in the Gospels, we see the disciples living life like a roller coaster. At one time, they're saying, man, I want to be faithful. I want to serve the Lord. And then the next, they're talking about how good they are. Time and time again, you see them acting like a roller coaster, saying we're going to be faithful and then they're not faithful. They start to doubt God. They say, what manner of man is this? They struggled with faithfulness. Um, when they were told to watch and pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, there's a good example. Jesus said, watch here while I go a little farther and pray. What happened when he came back? 
They were sleeping, right? And he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Relying on your own strength, you cannot be faithful. And then as Jesus came closer to the cross at Calvary, his disciples walked away and some even denied him. Peter denied him three times before the cock crew. You see, in their own strength, they could not be faithful. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came into their lives, they started to live with faithfulness. They had that fruit of faith in their lives. And every single one of them, apart from Judas Iscariot, ended up being martyred for their faith. They were faithful unto the end, faithful to death. It wasn't them, it was the Holy Spirit working through them. It takes abiding in Jesus Christ to be faithful. So we see that with the disciples, but we also see that throughout history. Every great man and every great woman of God that accomplished anything for the glory of God recognized this truth. They recognized that they could not accomplish anything apart from abiding in Jesus Christ. William Carey, known as the father of modern missions, was a missionary to India in the late 1700s and early 1800s. And the first few years of his ministry, he didn't have any converts, no money, and he was going through trial after trial after trial. And it was so bad that he felt like going home. But he wrote to a friend back in England and he said this, pray for us that we may be faithful to the end. Pray for us that we might be faithful. He recognized that he couldn't do it on his own. He recognized that in his own power, he could not lead people to the Lord. He could not accomplish anything. But when he was abiding in Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit was working, he could be found faithful. We find out that that's exactly what William Carey did. He labored there for 41 years and translated over 30 translations to the scriptures around the area. 30 translations. Six complete, 29 incomplete passages of scripture. William Carey was faithful to the end. He recognized that he needed Jesus Christ and he needed the Holy Spirit to live through them. And that's the same exact way for us. When we are abiding in Jesus Christ, when we have a strong personal relationship with him and we recognize that without him we can do nothing, we can be faithful to the ends. We can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth us. We need to be faithful, amen. The makings of faithfulness is the Holy Spirit. But secondly, I want you to notice the motivation for faithfulness. Now, why should we want to be faithful? Why should we want to be faithful to the ends? Well, the answer is simple. The incredible faithfulness of Almighty God toward us. God is faithful to us, and that should motivate us to want to be faithful to them. That should motivate us to want to live a faithful life, because God is faithful. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. God Almighty is a faithful God. And what we find out is God will always be faithful. God will always be faithful to you and to me. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, Malachi 3.6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. God is always faithful to us, and that should motivate us. And we find out that God's faithfulness is a great faithfulness. Lamentations 3.23 says, Great is thy faithfulness. Amen? That verse inspired one of the greatest hymns regarding the faithfulness of God and all the hymns I've heard. I'm not going to sing it for you today, but I'm going to read you a couple of those lyrics. The lyrics of that song says this, Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. That song was written by a man named Thomas Chisholm. 
He was born in Kentucky just after the Civil War, and after his salvation, he answered the call to preach and took a position as pastor. But it didn't last very long. Health issues plagued him, and shortly after he took the position, he heard the, the worst news that any pastor could hear. His doctor took him aside and told him that due to his impaired health, he could never preach again, and he could never pastor. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the worst feeling in the world for a pastor, for a preacher. Now, you would think Chisholm would get bitter toward God. You would think that he would get down and depressed, angry at God because he couldn't preach the gospel anymore due to his health. But that's not what Chisholm did. No, because he served a faithful God, he was motivated to remain faithful. He was motivated to be faithful. He went on to write over 1,000 poems in his lifetime with his most famous one being, Great is thy faithfulness. He was motivated by the almighty faithfulness of God to stay faithful. That's the kind of mentality that we need to have. And throughout the scriptures, we see the faithfulness of almighty God toward us. We see that God's faithfulness is seen through his gospel, number one. The good news. The good news of Jesus Christ points to his faithfulness. He was faithful in his plan, right? The plan of the gospel, the plan of the good news. Before the foundations of the world, God had a plan to redeem the world. In Revelation 13, 8, the Bible says that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. And you know, Jesus Christ did just that. He was faithful in his plan, faithful in the gospel. He lived 33 sinless years on this earth did not sin once, died on the cross, and rose again the third day for you and for me. He was faithful in his plan. In fact, Jesus said in John 17, 4 to the Father, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He was faithful in his plan. God's faithfulness is seen through his gospel. He was faithful in his plan. But not only that, he was also faithful in his prophecy. He was faithful in his prophecy. Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy to the smallest detail regarding the gospel. Every single one. At Calvary alone, he fulfilled 60 different prophecies. 60 different prophecies at the time of Christ's crucifixion. He was faithful in his prophecy. Now, if there was one prophecy that wasn't fulfilled, one small prophecy that didn't, didn't happen, we could throw out this entire Bible. We could throw out the gospel, but Jesus Christ was faithful in every single one. He was faithful in the gospel. God's faithfulness is seen in that. But not only that, we also see God's faithfulness is seen through his grace. The grace of Almighty God points to his faithfulness. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His grace is unchanging, undeserving, and unending. We never have to worry about running out of the Almighty grace of God. We never have to worry about that. He is faithful in his grace. Me and my wife, we have a habit of running out of groceries from time to time. We'll decide that we're going we're gonna to make this, this meal. Normally it's Hannah. I don't cook too much. But we decide we're going to make this meal, and we got all the ingredients we think, and we'll start moving on, and we'll open up the fridge and realize we're out of milk or we're out of seasoning or something like that. And we're just like, oh, what are we supposed to do? We ran out of groceries. We want to know something, though? We never have to worry about that with God. I'm never going to look at my life and be like, oh, I ran out of grace today. I ran out of grace. No, that grace is unending. He is faithful in his grace toward us. God's grace is an amazing grace, and we have that unsearchable grace in our life. In her hymn, he giveth more grace, and he flint wrote this. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth 
again. Hey, God's grace is out of measure. God's grace is an unending grace. We never have to worry about running about that, running out of that. He is faithful in his grace. And because he's faithful in his grace, I can now live a righteous life for the Lord. I can say no to sin, no to temptation, and live for Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. What that's saying is whenever a temptation comes your way, if you feel plagued to give into that sin, he always makes a way to escape that temptation. You always have the way to say no to sin and live for Jesus Christ. He is faithful in his grace. And man, we're a fallen nature, man. We've got a fallen nature in our heart and in our life, and there's going to be times when we sin. There's going to be times when we fall short of the glory of God, but God is still faithful in his grace. God is still faithful in his forgiveness. God is still faithful in his mercy, amen. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, amen. He is faithful in his grace. His grace is a redeeming grace, a reckoning grace, and a righteous grace, and I'm thankful for that grace this morning, this evening, whatever it is, amen. I'm faithful. I'm thankful for that faithful grace that we have have in our life. God's faithfulness is seen through the gospel. God's faithfulness is seen through his grace. And then number three, God's faithfulness is seen through his goodness. The Bible says in Psalm 52 verse 1, the goodness of God endureth continually. God's always good. God is always good. He is faithful in his goodness. And knowing the goodness of God will motivate us to be faithful. The Bible says that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. It will motivate us to want to be found faithful in every aspect of the Christian life, knowing the faithfulness of God. And because God is faithful in his goodness, it will help us no matter what situation or what circumstance comes our way. Even when things are looking terrible for us, we can know that God's goodness endureth continually, even at the worst times. He is faithful in his goodness. Corey Ten Boom, Holocaust survivor and legend of the faith, said this regarding the goodness of God. She said, often I have heard people say, how good God is. We prayed that it would not rain for our church picnic and look at the lovely weather. Yes, God is good when he sends good weather. But God was also good when he allowed my sister Betsy to starve to death before my eyes in a German concentration camp. The goodness of God endureth continually. Corey Ten Boom recognized that God is faithful in his goodness no matter what, and that God is able to work all things together for good. The goodness of God endureth continually. He is faithful in his goodness, and that's what you and I need to realize. Even when things look bad, even though when we got circumstances that are stacked against us, we need to remember Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let me ask you something tonight. Do you love God? Are you saved? Well, he can work that situation for good. The goodness of God endureth continually. Now you can say, Michael, you don't understand. I've really messed up my life. It's not God, it's me. I brought these circumstances on myself. Well, the goodness of God endureth continually. You can say, I'm, alar I'm alarmed about what's happening in our nation. I'm alarmed. I've got anxiety about the politics and, and everything going on. COVID-19. Hey, the goodness of God endureth continually. I feel like I'm constantly under attack by the world, the flesh, and the devil. I don't know how much longer I can go. Hey, the goodness of God endureth continually. And understanding that God's goodness endures, understanding that God is faithful in his goodness, it will help us overcome anything that comes our way. 
He is faithful in his goodness. God's goodness is greater than all of your anxiety, all of your addictions, and all of your afflictions. God's goodness exceeds our burdens, our battles, and our bondage. God's goodness is better than all of our concerns, our confusions, and our calamities. Hey, the goodness of God endureth continually. God is faithful in his goodness. And the goodness of God turns fearfulness into faithfulness. Once we recognize that God is faithful in his goodness, it will motivate us to want to be faithful. Thank God for the goodness of God. And the best part about this is, the best part about God's faithful goodness and the fact that God is faithful in every aspect of the Christian life is that even when we are doubting his gospel, even when we are doubting his grace and doubting his goodness and we're, 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 we're giving up on God and giving up on his plan for our lives, you want to know something? God's still faithful. God's still faithful. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He is still faithful to us no matter what comes our way. Amen? David Livingston, a missionary to Africa, whenever he would go through a trial, a trouble, or a problem, or a danger on his journey in the mission field, and he felt like giving up, he would go to Matthew 28, 19, and 20, his life verse, where the Bible says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end. He would go to that verse every time things were troubling him, and he would say, God's faithful towards me. God's faithful towards me, so I'm going to stay faithful in the ministry. And whenever he would look at that life verse, he would write in the margin of his Bible this, it is the word of a gentleman of the most strict and sacred honor, so that's the end of it. He's saying that's the end of it. I have got this trial coming my way. I'm doubting God. That's the end of it. I feel like throwing in the towel. I feel like not being faithful to the ministry anymore. That's the end of it. God is with me, so I'm going to be motivated to be faithful toward anybody that comes my way. I'm going to be faithful in the ministry because God is faithful with me, and he's with me always. The motivation for faithfulness, the incredible faithfulness of Almighty God, knowing that God is faithful should motivate us to be faithful. So we've got the makings of faithfulness, the motivation for faithfulness. And then number three, I want you to notice the method of faithfulness. What do we have to do to be faithful to the finish? How can you and I be faithful like the Apostle Paul at the end of our life? Be faithful in every aspect of our life? The answer is simple. It takes abiding in Jesus Christ. I said it before. I'll say it again. Abiding in Jesus Christ. That word abide, you look up that word in, in the Bible and it literally means remain. Remain in Jesus Christ. You know, there's going to be some times where we feel like jumping ship where we feel like going our own way, but the key is we need to remain. Remain in Jesus Christ. Uh, abide in him. Take it a day at a time and rely on him. Start each day by saying, Lord, abide in me and I in you. Without you, I can do nothing. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Lord, I present my body a living sacrifice this day. I need you every step of the day. That's the way to start. But you want to know something? It's easy for me to preach this. And it's easy for me to say these things when things are going good, but when things are going bad and God wants you to stay faithful in the midst of the storm, that's where it can be tough. To stay faithful in the midst of persecution, the midst of trials, to stay faithful in prison like the Apostle Paul, that's where it starts to get tough. But the key is, stay with the ship. Abide in Jesus Christ. Press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Don't jump ship. Stay in the ship. Christopher Columbus, on his expeditions to find the new world, he went through incredible difficulties. He and his crews encountered storms 
experienced hunger and deprivation, and dealt with extreme discouragement. But Columbus persevered every step of the way. And it's interesting, the key to the success of Columbus actually lies within his journal. Day after day, journey after journey, Columbus would write the same four words. Today, we sailed on. Today, we sailed on. No matter what came his way, those would be his words. Well, Columbus, aren't you going to mention the, the storms that we went through today? Today, we sailed on. You're not going to mention the trials that we went through, the, the near-death experiences. Today, we sailed on. You're not going to mention the mutiny and the scurvy and all of the problems that we dealt with. Hey, today, we sailed on. You see, Columbus didn't focus on his problems. He focused on pressing on. Pressing on. Hey, that's the key to faithfulness. Sail on. Sail on. Sail on. And if we press on, if we focus on the prize, which is Jesus Christ, at the end of our life, we, like the Apostle Paul, can say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith.